This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right. Well, Omar Khadr, the big story of the week. And it's going to remain a story until the government confirms or denies that they're about to compensate him to the tune of $10 million. And obviously, at that point, it will just keep the story going. So we're going to be talking about this for some time. We do know that Omar Khadr has an outstanding $20 million lawsuit against the federal government. We're led to understand that the Trudeau government has concluded that uh, we're bound to lose that lawsuit. And rather than pay out $20 million later, they're going to pay out $10 million now, or $10.5 million now. As to why this news leaked, not sure. The prime minister, who's over in Europe, has been asked about it twice now and has really not said anything other than uh, maybe this uh, whole judicial process is coming to an end so they've not yet confirmed or denied this uh look regardless of where you stand i think they're going to have to at some point obviously and and the prime minister should be out there explaining this to canadians if they believe this is inevitable then come out and say so if you believe it's morally or ethically justified aside from how the court case might go come out and say so you know and i'm of of two minds on this Uh, i do think omar cotter was brainwashed, was a victim of his father and some of the other radicals around him. I do believe that he was in in many ways a child that fateful day in 2002. I do believe that he was mistreated. I do believe that maybe we let him down in a number of ways. I do believe that were he captured today under similar circumstances as opposed to 15 years ago, things would have gone very differently. At the same time, though, I do believe it was legitimate for the Americans to be there. I do believe it was legitimate for the Americans to take him into captivity. And in terms of what they should have done instead, right, there aren't necessarily easy and clear answers. Should they have let him go? Should they have handed him over to us the moment he was captured? Should they have held him somewhere else? Should they have taken him to the continental U.S. or the U.S. mainland and tried him in a, uh, in a courtroom there? So there are a lot of questions, right, about this. I wanted to bring someone in uh, to the conversation. I've got an interesting piece uh, in the National Post today, and has certainly been on the inside of a lot of these uh, conversations over the past decade or so. Howard Anglin uh, previously served as a senior advisor on legal affairs and policy to Prime Minister Stephen Harper. He's uh, currently executive director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Howard, thanks so much for joining us here. Well, thank you much for having me, Rob. I guess in terms of what the government has decided, uh, I suppose you're as much in, in the dark as the rest of us at this point. Uh, yes, uh, certainly since I left government, I have not been privy to any of the developments in this file. Um, in fact, I think to the best of anybody's knowledge, there hadn't been any developments, which is why this came out of the blue and surprised so many people. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Um, so you, you don't necessarily think it's inevitable that a, a court is going to award Omar Khadr $20 million? No, it's, it's far from inevitable. Um, there are several hurdles that Khadr would have to overcome. Um, a trial to establish a the sort of mistreatment that he alleges he uh, was subject to, um, and particularly the the more um, the more extreme treatment that he alleges, not just the so-called frequent flyer program, which is a sleep deprivation program. Uh, he alleges a much worse treatment than that, but that's never been tested in court. Uh, and then, more pertinent to the settlement. Specifically, he has to prove that somehow the Canadian government should be held liable for that uh, when I think everybody recognizes that this uh, was all con- conducted by the Americans uh, on American territory uh, under an American process. 
uh, quite why Canadians should be on the hook rather than having him sue the Americans is is a very good question. Okay, well, clarify this, because you say this hasn't been tested in court, but obviously the Supreme Court has ruled in 2008 and again in 2010 with regard to Omar, and it seems the Supreme Court established quite clearly what the violation was on the part of Canadian officials. Yeah, so th- those those cases were in very different contexts. Uh, they weren't in the context of a civil lawsuit proving damages and uh, and in culpability for the government for those uh, specific damages. The remedies being sought in those cases in 2008 was whether certain notes taken by Canadian government officials should be uh, admitted into evidence or handed over to his lawyers. And in 2010, uh, the remedy being sought was to bring him back to Canada. And even then, the Supreme Court, while they found that Canadian officials, by flying down to Guantanamo Bay and talking to him, um, were somehow complicit in his mistreatment, uh, it was in in the context of, of uh, a request to bring him back to Canada, which the government duly did. And the government of the day's position was, uh, having done so, that they'd exhausted all necessary remedies uh, for any constitutional violation that may have been um, as a result of Canadian officials being present in Guantanamo Bay on three occasions. That's very different from proving uh, the sort of claims that you were mistreated and the government of Canada was responsible. I don't think anybody believes that he would have been treated any differently had those officials not flown down to Guantanamo Bay. So that, that sort of degree of proof, and the proof in, in that case has yet to be tested in court. Well, you're right, they didn't put a price tag on it, but... Well, they, they didn't they, even they, mention a financial compensation. No, and, 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 and I don't know what the price the tag goes yeah. with that. But if I was suing the government, and I had a Supreme Court decision that said the government had violated my rights, right. uh, I'd, I'd be on pretty solid ground. Well... Except you can't just point to another decision and have it entered in court. You actually have to make up the claim that you've actually alleged in your own civil lawsuit. Uh, a case in the context of asking to be brought back to Canada is, is, is a very different case. And as I said, the Supreme Court actually didn't even order a specific remedy. They left it up to the government in its best judgment to provide whatever remedy it wanted. Um, and the government's remedy was to bring him back to Canada to serve out the rest of his sentence in custodial sentence in Canada. Um, there was nothing about financial compensation for mistreatment or any allegation that Canadians were uh, responsible or liable for the physical mistreatment he, he suffered. And that's what he'd be claiming damages on now. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they said in 2010, they said, yeah. Canada actively participated in a process contrary to its international human rights obligation yeah. and contributed to Cotter's ongoing detention so as to deprive him of his right to liberty and security of the person. So there, there's a charter issue there. Obviously, specifically, the interrogations that took place in 03 and 04, the sleep deprivation that preceded that, the sharing of information with the Americans. Yep. I mean, that, that's all dealt with, too. Right. But the actual harms to him, I don't, nobody disputes, were carried out by Americans with no Canadian involvement. Uh, and that's what he would have to prove in a civil case. And I think it's far from clear that Canada should be liable for those, uh, okay. for well, those harms. Well, and, yeah. and look, he, he's free to allege it. They may win. And it may well be the government received advice saying that they is likely to win. And if so, they should just say that. Sure. And I don't understand why Trudeau wouldn't say, look, we were saving taxpayers money. And people may not be happy with that explanation. They may not be happy with getting money. But at least it would be a, an understandable reason for settling the case. Well, you touch on Mayor in, in your piece. And, I mean, obviously that yeah. established a $10 million uh, bar yeah. of sorts. Maybe that's why we're out where we are. I mean, Canada didn't send Mayor to Syria. Canada didn't torture Mayor Yet we paid him $10 million. Well, Canada, the, the, well, first... After the Maharar case, Canada actually uh, convened a commission of inquiry led by a sitting uh, judge who went into the evidence in great detail and established in a government report that it was because Canadians had provided faulty information uh, to the Americans 
that it led to him being deported to, to Syria. So we were ultimately directly responsible for the fact he was in Syrian hands, according to the, according to the official government report. So in this case, there's never been an official inquiry or a trial, which sort of interchangeable for purposes of compensation, uh, a finding of actual fact uh, by a neutral adjudicator. And uh, it lacks that nexus to Canadians' direct responsibility for the mistreatment. And Kader was captured on the battlefield by Americans. There's no Canadian involvement. He was taken down to the U.S., no Canadian involvement. He was always within the complete control and custody of the Americans. Um, the, the, the key finding of responsibility and liability in the Maharar case was that Canada, the RCMP, had actually provided uh, faulty information to the Americans, uh, knowing or with the likelihood that he would then be um, deported and mistreated, which ultimately happened. So I think they are distinguishable in terms of clear responsibility and therefore legal liability. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, though, because, like you said earlier, were we directly responsible for that? You think there's there's more liability there? Yeah, well, there's a clear nexus between Canadian action that led directly to his mistreatment, where in this case, the closest we have is three Canadian officials went down to the prison after the alleged mistreatment um, and interviewed him. I think it's a very different um, sort of, well, first of all, I I don't see that as actually responsibility for his mistreatment in the same way that had we handed him over to the Americans, I think pretty clearly there'd be a case that we were directly responsible. Okay. But do you think it's, it's inevitable that Omar Khadr will receive something? I mean, maybe $10 million is a a crazy figure. Uh, If we're talking about $100,000 or even a million dollars, is there inevitably going to be some kind of compensation given what's been established? See, I just just don't think you can say it's inevitable. Um, Again, legal liability. I mean, he may have been mistreated. He may have, I mean, you can accept all that. It's still not clear that Canada should be the ones on the hook financially for that and say, not the Americans. And that was the previous government's position was, you want to sue somebody, sue the Americans. We didn't do this to you. Um, now, there's going to be a risk analysis in any litigation. I, I strongly suspect that this government was given an analysis by lawyers at some point, which pegged the odds of success wherever they pegged them. And as a result, they said $10 million seems like about as good a deal as we're going to get. Um, so in that sense, is it inevitable we'd pay him something? I don't think you can say inevitable, but... You do risk analysis and litigation all the time, and you might say, even though we don't believe we are responsible, this is the best deal we're going to get out of this, and we think it's a reasonable payment. And if that's what the government actually believes, then it should just say that. Um, mm-hmm. It baffles me that they, they're not saying it. Or they're not saying anything. No, right. no. And I, I would actually be interested in hearing whether Trudeau believes that Cotter's, what, does he believe Cotter's American process uh, accorded with uh, fundamental principles of justice, or does he disagree? Does he believe Cotter actually committed the crime he confessed to and has apologized to uh, the widow of Sergeant Spear for. Um, all these things leave it open that, leave, leave, leave so many questions open that that's why you're talking about it and we're talking about it today. Uh, and they could shut that down just by actually providing a, a clear response. What's your sense, by the way, um, as to whether uh, the, the family of, of Sergeant Spear or Sergeant Morris himself, who, who lost an eye, in that firefight, uh, that they'll be able to lay a claim to some or all of this money that may be coming Omar's way? Um, well, in principle, they have a judgment, and I believe a Utah court from a couple of years ago, right. uh, Sergeant Spears' widow, $134 million U.S. In principle, you can enforce an American judgment in Canada against assets that somebody has in Canada. 
I say in principle. Uh, there will be hurdles they'll have to overcome. I suspect Cutter's lawyers will argue that the his conviction and his confession uh, were coerced or um, shouldn't be credited, and somehow the process didn't meet Canadian standards of, of uh, fundamental justice, and therefore the Canadian court shouldn't uh, accept the verdict. Uh, that he could also argue that he never went down and challenged the case. Uh, it was a default judgment. It was entered because they sued him. He never appeared in court to defend it, so the court entered a judgment against him. They could say, well, uh, Cotter's lawyers could say, well, he was in prison. He never meaningful opportunity to respond to the case. Uh, now, there are counter-responses to all of these things, um, and that will have to be hashed out in court, but I expect those will be the arguments that will be raised by Cotter's lawyers uh, to try and uh, stop the widow from enforcing her judgment in Canada. But it is possible, as you said. They, they may yeah, have a in case. Principle, yeah. In principle, it, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You get a judgment in one country whose legal system we generally accept is uh, equivalent to ours, and you can enforce it in Canada. Uh, it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to see. We'll leave it there, uh, Howard. In the meantime, your piece uh, it's up today at nationalpost.com and more at theccf.ca. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you very much, Rob. Take care. Uh, that's Howard Angland. Uh, he's currently director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation, the CCF.ca. Previously was uh, senior advisor on legal affairs and policy, was also deputy chief of staff to Prime Minister Harper. So uh, he's been there in the thick of it. He doesn't believe it's inevitable that uh, a judge would award Omar Khan $20 million. Uh, but if the government has been informed otherwise, that it's incumbent on them to come out and say so. The bar set by the Arar settlement, the $10.5 million, not necessarily a direct precedent here. But I think it's, it's comparable in a lot of ways. We did not torture Mayor Arar. We did not tell the Americans to send him to Syria. We did not make the decision to send him to Syria. But did the information we provide to, provided to the Americans play a role in that decision? Did we do enough to get him back from Syria? So what about Omar Khadr? Did we do enough to keep him out of Guantanamo Bay? Did we do enough to repatriate him when he was there? Uh, Should we have sent CISA's officials down to interrogate him? I mean, that seems to be kind of at the crux of the matter. Those interrogations in 03 and 04. Anyway, 974-8255 is our number 974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.